Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. Find us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcasting outlet. It is season two of the Thundercast. We did not mention that last week. And we thought, you know what? Perfect time to do it. The calendar has rolled around to July. Uh, The biggest of all the big changes just took place yesterday as we record. Today is Saturday, July 2nd. So we thought, hey, perfect time to kick off season two. Marshall is officially in the Sunbelt Conference, which we will dive into a little bit more um, when we get into the five things. But hey, perfect time to be season two. So season one's in the books. We're going to continue our series of position group breakdowns this week. We're going to talk about special teams unit. And uh, we got a little bit more news floating around there. So before we get into all that, let's get a a word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Jason and Matt are experienced injury lawyers in Huntington who practice throughout West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. They can't protect you from bad drivers, but they will make sure you're treated fairly by the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Russ, it is season two of the Thundercast, and of course this is kind of a last minute type deal but hey perfect time to start season two up the calendar like i said has rolled around to july marshall is now an official member of the sunbelt conference so with that give me five things every herd fan needs to know this week all right and as usual they are brought to you by ignite link the tri-state's premier it management team number one unless you've been living in a cave Yesterday, July the 1st, marked our first day. We are now officially in the Sun Belt Conference. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Yeah. <laughs> we are a- away from the Conference USA and all of that. I, I mean, I, the words, the adjectives I want to use are not really appropriate for the way, I, uh, you know, we want to keep the the, the mm-hmm. meat potatoes of the show. But, man, it just feels good to be a part of a conference that's excited to have us as a part of it, a part of a conference that has vision and strategic planning and um, there's growth on the horizon. And man, what, you know, given some of the other news that has broken within the past 48 hours, 72 ish hours, we're really coming out um, potentially in a really good spot Yeah. Um, with what may happen with some of these other, other conferences as, as things start to trickle down. It, it's, it's interesting to see what the Sunbelt may eventually look like a year from now or two years from now. So true. Um, what do you think about uh, the, th- the Sunbelt, the, the move, you know, the news is out there now. Like what, what, I don't want to say what excites you about it because there's a lot to be excited about. So, but what do you love most about officially being members of the Sunbelt conference and being away from the conference USA? Number one for the Sunbelt regional matchups and rivalries here, here, uh, that is paramount in with all this crazy stuff going on we don't have an sec a big 10 level budget where we can just travel 
Uh, and I tell you, all those, as we say, we don't like to say this word, but non-revenue sports for those Big Ten and SEC teams, they're going to take a pounding. Now, I know they'll make up for it because of their TV revenue and packages and all that stuff and just, you know, absurd rights fees and everything that they have. But can you imagine volleyball going from Rutgers to, to USC no. or UCLA? Yeah. So that I love the regional aspect in the Sun Belt. It just feels right. It feels like a modern updating of that old Southern Conference that we were in. Uh, some of the same teams obviously being in there. Uh, it feels right. It feels the opposite of what everyone's doing with the super conferences and crisscrossing the nation and biting the hand that feeds them in some instances just to go in with, well, hey, this looks attractive for football yeah. and for, for TV. Uh, but for the fans, it's horrible, you know, to have to travel that far. Um, it's it's just right here at the Sun Belt. So that's what I'm excited. What am I excited about leaving Conference USA for? I'll sum it up this way. I never thought in my life that I would come across on Twitter a Conference USA Stan account. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're there. Now, particularly <laughs> and, now. And you you and I both interacted with them. Yeah. And uh, the same guy, but his entire profile was about how great conference USA is just totally in denial about everything and how horrible the sunbelt was. If that doesn't scream, I'm really bitter that I didn't make it into the sunbelt. I don't know what is, you know, I know. I think I have a good idea of who, not the person, but like at least the school affiliation, I think well, it's the, an MTSU fan. I think it's the, I think it's Liberty. I think they're trying to pump oh, up really? pump up the Conference USA because they finally made it into a conference. And gotcha. so they're like, no, 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 we're great. It's not, conference USA is awesome. Like, you guys are way off base. And, you know, I lost <laughs> – I mean, it was – it was a lot of the stuff is laughable to begin with. But when I get called entitled, I'm entitled. <laughs> yeah. I've been championing G5 football for a long time. But I'm entitled. No, that that's yeah. that's hilarious to me. But no, I think those are Liberty fans that are just uh, trying to pump up the fact that they are now in Conference USA, and Conference USA is a better conference than it was a year ago, and it's not. I mean, it's, it's just not. not. And and when when all those other schools leave for the American, and and the full transition takes place, that's what they're talking about. Like this is, it's going to be better off. And, and, and they, they, you know, Liberty fans can say that because they have so many more resources, financial resources than the, the remainder of conference USA teams. They, they, I mean, they're paying Hugh freeze like 2 million bucks a year. Nobody else is doing that in conference USA. Yeah. But are those fans going to be able to go to UTEP and New Mexico? No, State? and they won't, but it doesn't matter. They're, they're, they, they're still just, pumping up the fact that the, they're in a conference and it's the conference USA and, and they're, and I get it. They're happy about it. That's great. I'm happy for them, but I it can't wait until they have to try to find their team playing on Nick at night. Exactly. Or something like that. That's what we're saying. Like, you can't tell me that, you know, um, what, that having some sort of ESPN deal, whether it's with the Sunbelt or with the Mac, you know, we were talking about the Mac is that's better than playing uh, games on GSTV. I mean, it just is. So I don't even know what we're arguing about. That's why I just kind of bowed out of that. It's like, obviously, we're not going to 
have an intelligent conversation here. But we we are in the Sun Belt Conference. We are, and and, um, and they're not, and they're not. And it, it, <laughs> does it suck? Yeah, sure does for them. Uh, but it's pretty great for us. So I'm really intrigued now. It sucks that we're we're talking about this a day into the Sun Belt. Now we're also talking about what could this conference look like in another two years? You know, with this earth shattering news with USC and UCLA coming into the Big Ten. And now everybody seems like they're scrambling. It's like, well, will the SEC go after teams like Florida State and Miami? And or will, uh, you know, the Big Ten or try to. Or Clemson, yeah, or try to – will they just – these two conferences, the Big Ten and SEC, basically try to poach the ACC? Or will they go after some of the bigger-name schools that are still left in the Big 12, like Oklahoma State? Or who else will come over from the Pac-12, like Oregon or Washington? So you, you have to think the trickle-down effect could be massive by the, yeah, time it, by the time it gets down to, you know, teams like – or um, conferences like the Sun Belt and, and um, the American. And you think, wow, look at what the Sun Belt has right here. This really close group of traveling schools with great programs, passionate fan bases. And if the Sun Belt turns into being like, we're just totally speculating. But what if they turn into being the premier super conference for G5s, right? And then you start thinking, okay, what handful of schools will fit in there? Man, it lo- it could be really exciting based on who's left. But for yeah. right now, that's a discussion for another day. Right now, I'm just happy to be in the Sunbelt Conference. I'm happy to be reunited with teams like Appalachian State. Uh, we're going to get to see teams like Louisiana on a regular basis. We're going to get to play, you know, games in Myrtle Beach against uh, Coastal Carolina. It, it's fun. It's it's a fun it's a fun conference, and this is what we all, all hoped it would be. And now here we are. Now there's nothing left to do but play the daggone games. That's right. Uh, number two, keeping it with football. We've got uh, the season ticket mini plans are on sale. The way this works is you pick any three games. You don't have to pick certain uh, pre-selected games and groups. Any three of the six home games that you want. Um, Start at $69 for those lower end zone uh, seats on the west side. The east side, the band is moving over to there, so those will not be available. And then uh, most of your sidelines that aren't your chair backs or around the 45 to 50 on the east side are $99. So the bulk of the end zone seats did not get released, right? So it's only those two lower sections that will not be, uh, if you're kicking the field goal toward McDonald's left of the uh, uprights. Yeah, everything below the the walkway, right? Below the concourse. Yeah, to the left is where the band will be. To the right is uh, available uh, if any seats there remain for this uh, mini season uh, package, mini plan, $69. Nice. Nothing in the upper has been talked about at all still because it's still up in the air, as we discussed on a previous show. Yeah, and that's what I was getting at is now we've got the announcement of mini plans and still no, you know, releasing of the big bulk of those seats up there. So it just leads me to believe that those are going to be unavailable. So you might as well make your plans accordingly. Go ahead and pull the trigger on those sideline seats, get the best seats you can get. Or, you know, I guess if you want um, an end zone seat, your best bet is to buy that. Uh, I, I mean, are those 99 bucks too? What, whatever may be available if you buy the whole season. No, so the lower end zone on the whole season are a little bit more expensive than the $99. Can't remember what it is, and I don't have it up right now. 
Well, it's got to surely be less than 140 because that would be two $69 plans, you know, and just get the whole season. Well, it was very close uh, to that. Um, it was uh, 129 or 135 something like that, maybe. Oh, okay. So, anyway, you slice it. Uh, you can get a mini plans, and if you – I mean, geez, that means you could get Appalachian State and Coastal and Louisiana, and you get two Saturdays in the midweek against, you know, three premier uh, conference teams right there for 69 bucks. So I would suggest you just go ahead and pull the trigger on um, full season tickets. Just find you some seats that you want to be in for a while and take advantage of that. You know, we're, we're going to see some uh, good out of conference stuff coming up. We're going to see some good uh, conference games as we flip flop schedules, you know, in the coming years. So just go ahead and secure those season tickets. Now um, do many plans if you want to, but you know, what, what's another, 30 bucks if you can get three friends together and get four seats in 105 and get $99 season tickets, right? So I've got them right here, lower end zone that we were just talking about, 128 and 130 uh, that are available for the mini plans, $69. But for the full season package, it's 135. It's not okay. so much that you're saving a ton of money. Yeah. It's that for these people that might not be able to make all six games and they say, well, I would purchase half you know because i know yeah. these three you know so. yeah i mean the only problem i see with that is like most people that are going to buy a mini plan you've got to think they're immediately going to be buying up uh the homecoming game and the appalachian state game which is 75 weeks so you're going to have a lot of people competing for those but let's uh let's play devil's advocate here yeah. you live in tampa yeah you're not going to be here for those games or Correct. maybe you're going to be for one of those games or something but it's these people that would be traveling in that this. No, is I huge, understand. Yes, yeah, I get it's it. A huge, huge deal for them to say, hey, I'm going to be out of town. I've got a wedding. I've got work, whatever it is. I can't come in for a Wednesday night game. Uh, so you've got those people that say, well, I don't want to throw half the season away and just have a ticket that's going unused. They can buy them and somebody else could theoretically buy the three that they're not going to be there for and we could have more fans in the stands. Oh, yeah. Uh, I 100% understand the, you know, the draw of doing that. All, the only point I was making is for $69, bucks, you have got to think that 100% of the people are going to be choosing homecoming or pretty daggone close or, or, or pretty close to it, and they probably want to see you know App State too. So you've got two of those uh, six marquee games that folks are going to be nabbing up um, on a $69 plan if they're available. My main point being – don't hesitate and go ahead and buy them where you may find yourself in a position of having to either buy a single game ticket or, or just uh, buying an entire season worth, which I would recommend. Sure. Along with this uh, thing with our five things, because it deals with tickets is season tickets for uh, men's and women's soccer. Those are combined are uh, on sale as well they went on sale yesterday too. yesterday yeah july 1st so that's gonna i figure that's gonna be a pretty hot ticket um, it will be. and if you'll recall you get season tickets you get a ticket to every men's and every women's game so mm -hmm. one season ticket covers both sports so that's pretty freaking cool uh, they're very very modestly priced for uh how many given how many seats are available total you know in, at hoops family field so um and again if you're on the fence about it, don't wait around. You may find yourself without a uh, 
you know, a season ticket to be had, or maybe it's just sparse ones, you know, you need four and there's not four together anywhere or something like that. Mm So uh, it pays to be the early bird on some of these things, especially when you're talking about the the home slate that we covered. I think it was last week. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a pretty good home slate. You're not going to want to miss too many of these games. So very yep. modestly priced for the value that you get. And here is that moderately priced info premium bleachers section 103, which is basically uh, the entire width of the press box, plus a little overlap on both ends. One hundred and twenty dollars. The bleachers, uh, which is 101, 102, 104, and 105, same side of the field, $70. General admission bleachers, other side of the field, $40. Yeah. So if you think about that, though, split those in half because you are getting two separate teams. If you are a huge soccer fan, you plan on supporting the men and the women. That is a lot of games mm-hmm. for not a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, and even if you plan on just going to, you know, I want to cherry pick three or four games. Well, mm-hmm. then you have a bunch of tickets that maybe you can give to your buddies or, or, you know, family, friends or whatever. It's like, Hey, you want to, you guys want to do something this here, yeah. here's some tickets to the soccer game, go check it out. You know, so you can mm-hmm. uh, be a little charitable with your, uh, with your value <laughs> as well. But yeah, it's, right. a, I mean, 70 bucks for two seasons or two sports worth of season tickets, pretty, pretty cheap. Agreed. And I think, uh, or I hope a lot of people will do that if they have purchased these tickets and they either have no intentions or no ability to go to all of the games, especially the women's games that they will say, I have these tickets already to get you in for the women's. uh, So a lot of people will go there and support that women's team just as much, even though they are not a national championship recent winning team let's go support the women's soccer yeah. team too it's a yeah. heck of a game just as much a heck yeah i mean it's always people you always want something to do so if you got nothing to do that's something to do at the very least but you know it's also a martial athletic program you want to get that's out there right. and have a butt in the seat look i'll put it out here right now if you're going to buy season tickets for soccer and if there's any game that you can't go to Tweet at us that you can't make the game and we'll do our best to get it out there so that people may get in touch with you or you can try to get tickets into the hands of people that you can go. We'll gladly be your intermediary on social media. If you don't, if you can't go to a game, that goes for all sports. If you can't go to the game, just tweet at us. We'll retweet it and maybe somebody will see that and, you know, get in touch with you. And all you got to do is that quick electronic transfer and bam, problem solved. So let's not, let's not let uh, seats go empty. Uh, when it's so easy to give things away much better atmosphere for the fans and for our players to have a packed house yeah we want true home field and home court advantages at every game and the best way to do that is have a packed house number three of our five things the 2022 hall of fame class has been announced i'll read these off and then you can respond Stephanie Cook Lewis for softball and women's soccer, 95 through 98. Sarah Crandall Fletcher, women's cross country, track and field, 90 through 94. Vinnie Curry, football, 2008 through 2011. Carrie Hinkle, softball, 94 through 97. Jody Lambert, women's basketball and volleyball, 70 to 73. Jack Lingle, head football coach. 71 through 74, Kim Nutter, 
men's cross country track and field 78 through 82 dave tabor men's cross country track and field 83 through 86 and finally travis young men's basketball 97 through 2001 uh, i mean right off the top of your head you got two huge names in martial athletic history that every average fan should know now, i'm not going to pretend that i know every single volleyball player or track and field athlete but when you hear the name vinnie curry and you hear the name jack lingle you ought to perk up and go, wow, that's a star-studded class in and of itself right there. Um, I will say that I also recognize the name Travis Young. He and I lived in uh, Hodges Hall at the same time. So if that gives you an idea of when I may have been an undergrad, <laughs> that should help. So pretty cool to see some guys that are from my actual era uh, getting the call too. So pretty pretty stacked class, I would have to say. You had a long era, though, weren't you? Yeah, it was pretty long. Years? Six years. No, I'm not a doctor, but hey, you know, when you really love something, <laughs> you don't want to leave. <laughs> so, no, no, we j- we joke we joke about this all the time. Uh, I, I fell victim to the old dreaded changing of the major as a senior, so that tacked on two more years to my collegiate career. But hey, it was the best six years I ever had in school for sure. <laughs> You're a son of Marshall, and you've got a degree to show it. That's son, all I care about. A son of Marshall, like a grandson of Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I want to say here, two things, sorry. One, I can't believe Jack Lingle is not in already. Yeah. I, I, in my head, he was. Yeah. You know, I, don't, I, I guess it's one of those uh, things that you've just convinced yourself was true, and uh, obviously it wasn't. Uh, second, Travis Young. Uh, yes, I was here those same years, 97 through 2001, but I actually watched him play at Youngstown or it wasn't Youngstown. It was near there. Um, it was in Ohio, but anyway, um, he played high school ball and I got to watch some of that on TV and then saw that he was being recruited uh, to come here. And then I got to watch more of it. It was on one of those direct TV channels that showed every one of their games so that was something that uh, was kind of new to me being able to watch an athlete uh, in high school at the time you know before today where you can have all this different streaming options I just thought that was kind of cool and now here he is getting uh, inducted into the hall of fame yeah this is this will be pretty cool and now hall of fame weekend's the opener right that, yep. that what we said before so cool I'll be uh, in town for that one uh Dates have been confirmed. But I don't know if I told you that. I was able to secure vacation time, so I'm going to go for that. Oh, I think I did mm-hmm. tell you that. Uh, you so so I'm pretty excited about that. I'll be able to make the trip to Huntington for the opener, so I'm looking forward to seeing some old friends, making some new friends, You know, uh, being able to be at the first Thundercast tailgate and uh, welcoming in all kinds of new folks and, again, seeing some old friends, too. It's going to be a hell of a fun weekend. That's right. Number four, Marshall launches the first time ever the fan committee. Applications have to be turned in. Uh, You're listening to this probably uh, the week, Monday through Friday of the 4th through the 8th. Well, it's due on the 8th. So if you're interested, they are going to have, it says comprised of 20 to 25 people. Make sure you get your application in before Friday the 8th. Yeah, this is a really cool um, endeavor. I mean, at at least it could be. 
if it mm-hmm. turns out the way that I'm sure they're hoping it will. Uh, this is very much um, an awesome idea to get, you know, a perspective from the fans. And it's not, um, from what I gather, they want a whole gamut of the fanhood or the fandom, right? Or whatever That's you right. want to call it. They want all ages, all eras, you know, everything, whatever you are. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter really if you're a season ticket holder or not. It doesn't matter none of that really is a key factor. It's, it's, it's like, we, we need a slice kind of everyone to see what kind of ideas we can get out there from what I gather. Um, Mm -hmm. And it sounds like a really cool idea. This is just another one of those examples of how this administration is. I'm going to use that KD buzzword differentiating itself from administration's past. They understand, you know, that, that this is an ever evolving collegiate athletics world and you have to adapt in order to stay relevant and we know what we have at marshall right we're a very small school type city fan but you're a typical college town like you're the that's what you want to be about is herd athletics and they want to capture as many of those folks as they can and get them uh super passionate either for the first time or build upon the passion that's already there and and this is a great way to potentially do that when we had season 12, or not, not season, episode 12 dealt with the mailbag. Mm-hmm. We had a question about, um, let's see, specifically on here, one of the, the words that they said, including but not limited to athletic department communication, fan outreach, things like that. We've, we've heard not just from that mailbag, but other people say, you know, well, I kind of feel left out or I kind of feel like. I don't get all the info, you know, um, it says facilities, amenities, in-game experience. How many times we've been talking to someone and someone says, man, I wish they would blank Mm -hmm. or I feel like it would be better if they blank. Now's your chance. Mm -hmm. Get on the committee. If you're a passionate fan, you feel like you have good ideas, not just to go in and, you know, you guys suck at everything. I don't like this. I don't like that. Not just to complain, but to to come in and say, Hey, I've got an idea that would help improve everything. Mm -hmm. You're the person they want on here. Yep. That's right. They, they are looking at not trying to get yes, man. Otherwise why have this, right? They want to hear from Joe Q fan. They want to know what can we do better? we're up here looking at it from here. You guys are here looking at it from there. What is your interpretation of how we could do things better to make this better for the fans? If that doesn't tell you that Christian Spears is forward thinking and really, really wants the fans to have a great experience here, I don't know what's going to get it for you because that to me, I mean, they had this at Pittsburgh where he came from, but implementing it here, is a high priority. Everything that he has said so far has been about, I want to make the fan experience better. Yeah. I mean, you got to do what you got to do to make these events, make these athletic contests can't miss events. Like you don't want, you're, you're upset that you can't make it to the basketball game. You're like, that's what you're doing this Thursday and Saturday and Thursday and Saturday for the next 12 weeks or whatever it is. It's like, I'm going to the Marshall game. That's where I'm going to be. And that's what we hope to accomplish as a fan base. Like we, we hope to get to the point, at least me personally. And I, and I would, I feel comfortable speaking for you too. I hope that this fan base gets to a point to where it is hard to get a ticket to a game. 
because mm-hmm. everybody's going. That's what yeah. I want. Like, I want it to be a challenge for me to get it. If I don't buy my season tickets on day one or day two, man, there's a good chance that I'm either a not going to get a decent seat that I prefer, or I may not get one at all, you know? So that's, that's a, you know, a pie in the sky, like dream, right? If you can pack every butt into every seat in Jones C. Edwards stadium or every butt into every seat of the Cam Henderson center at dot Hicks field or new baseball stadium or whatever the case may be, that's what you want. That's a great problem to have. So, yes. you know, any, any avenue we can explore, we should explore. And this is just one of those avenues to do that. Getting different perspectives, different ideas, people that see things through different lenses, whatever is prioritized to them, whatever's important to me may not be as equally important to you, Russ. And that's good because we can have two different approaches to the same goal. And that's what we're trying to do. That's what I feel like this committee is attempting to do to a certain degree. Yeah. And final thing I want to say about this, it is Friday, July the 8th at 1145 p.m., but you uh, can find this application, the link to it on HerdZone.com. Anything you can find on HerdZone gets tweeted out, gets put on Facebook. You know, make sure you're following those accounts if you're on social media. If you're not, HerdZone has your calendar. It has your links. It has your stories. A lot of the stuff that we're talking about here, you can find out more information right on herdzone.com. So go there, find it. It's very prominent on the front page. When you go there, you'll be able to find this application. Yep, absolutely. Go find a link, fill it out, put your name in the hat if you've got good ideas. Please yeah. just don't go in there saying, well, we need out of the Sun Belt. We should be in the SEC. Yeah. Get, get real. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Okay, so. And finally, number five, we talked about this briefly last week that there would probably be a hiring imminent. Uh, Rodney Casey has been hired as the assistant athletic director for digital strategy and brand management. Uh, that sounds like a wicked cool title. I just got to say it right, right off the bat. But uh, no, welcome to the herd, uh, Mr. Casey. Uh, you know, I tweeted uh, when I saw the press release or the tweet from Herdzone saying he'd been hired. And I and I what I said was, I got a feeling we're going to get to know each other quite well. And that's the way I feel. You know, I, I want to get to know him. I, w- I want him to get to know uh, you and I on uh, a semi regular um, friendly level, you know, not just as a Twitter account or a podcast, because I feel like a lot of what we're doing uh, is along the same lines. Right. We're trying to build mm-hmm. fandom. We're trying to get information out there. We're trying to you know, just grow the brand. So, uh, you know, if we can be partners in crime and making the herd universe bigger and uh, bringing more fans to the table and potentially more donors to the table and more ticket sales and concession revenue, then, I mean, we're all on the same team here. So I really do hope we get to get to know him uh, rather quickly, actually. And this guy has an impressive resume. He came from Bluefield College, uh, now Bluefield University, but uh, they have basically rebranded what we had traditionally thought of the sports information department, the SID office. Uh, Now it is all about the media relations division, but his specific title and his duties is he will be creating content via videos, photos, graphics, helping manage Marshall's social media accounts, provide a vision for a consistent brand identity to help market and promote Marshall's athletic programs and student athletes. He uh, is doing a lot of that with a lot less, you know, if you're at no, no knock on Bluefield University, they are just not on the same level as Marshall as far as 
a brand, as far as a budget, as far as resources, all that stuff. He's been doing a lot of that down there, but he's been wearing like several different hats while being a coach, while calling uh, games on the radio, uh, had a podcast down there. I mean, he has done a little bit of everything, social media, digital, creating videos and content. So uh, this is a slam dunk from my point of view to see all that he can do. And I'm really excited with this because if you are not taking advantage of new media, I mean, it, it grows exponentially. You know, you and I have discussed about TikTok and how it has blown up and everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they just have to stay on top of it. Rodney is 29 years old and he's already been doing a lot of this stuff. Uh, I feel like it's a very forward thinking, not just, hey, can we plug him into this right now? But how can he grow this? And I think that that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, you find the folks that have been doing more with less, and then you give them a little bit more, like just the move from Bluefield to Marshall. So now you have more resources. You have a little bit of a team that you get to work with. You're not going to necessarily have to wear all the hats. You get to wear a couple, and you really get to concentrate on the areas that you can really, really shine while having other people you know, pick up the the – the slack on some of these other areas. And we've talked before about the content that Marshall puts out as far as their videos and their graphics and how good they've been. And, you know, a perfect example of that was the, the welcome to the Sunbelt video that came out oh just the goodness. other day. That was really, so good. really good. One of the so, best videos I've ever seen for a college athletics program. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a great piece of media. Um, so we're already doing things at a really high level. And if you can bring someone in that not only has experience doing these, but can also, you know, maybe take this up to another level. Uh, it's got a, It's really exciting. We've talked over and over. This is how people consume now. It's, it's video. It's, you know, podcasts. It's, it's visuals. It's not just reading the newspaper. It's not just watching the evening news. It's everything else. And a lot of it's in real time. And, you know, you can't have enough kick-ass videos you just can't have enough cool graphics you can't have enough um you know sweet photos and pictures for people to make their phone background and stuff like that that's just what people like so hiring somebody that can come in and, and grow that it's really exciting well that wraps up our five things for this week as always it was brought to you by ignite link and we will have more from them in the coming weeks yeah uh Looking, uh, looking, looking pretty, I don't know, uh, what's, what's the word I want to look for? Pretty, I'm pretty excited about what's on the horizon with Ignite Link. I got to say that, yeah. you know, we, um, we don't want to let too, well, I don't want to let anything out of the bag. <laughs> I want everything to be unloaded at, in, in, at the proper time. And it's just something to be excited about, but excellent five things. Um, what a way to kick off the era of Sunbelt Athletics at Marshall University. But let's get into our featured segment this week as we continue the series of position group breakdowns. This week, we're going to talk about the special teams unit. And man, that's a lot of, uh, lot of players, a lot of, a lot of uh, turnover there, a lot of new that's going to be coming in. Uh, when you think about it, it may not, you know, your average fan might think, yeah, our, our, place kicker left our punter left but really what you know what's different a lot a lot is different so let's talk about the special teams um 
all all of it as, as best we can. Of course, new coach right off the bat, new special teams coordinator, Jonathan Gallant. Uh, we mentioned him in the in the uh, coaching staff breakdowns coming over from Alabama and uh, worked with special teams at Virginia Tech as well. So new guy at the helm, and uh, that's always – you know, uh, can go either way. You know, when you think about special teams, you really don't want things to change unless they're going badly. And, uh, you know, Marshall didn't have bad special teams last year. There were some areas that could have been better, but, you know, that's just about with any team. As far as specialists on the roster, specialists, and by specialists, I mean kickers, punters, and long snappers. Um, there's a lot of them on the roster currently, as, as we record. Three kickers, two punters, and three long snappers. Remaining from the 2021 roster, two of those three kickers, one of those two punters, and all three of the long snappers return. Uh, incoming freshman, one kicker, one punter. Place kicker, Reese Verhoff, the 5'10", 155-pounder from Columbus Grove, Ohio. Incoming freshman, coached by former herd kicker Tyler Warner at the Corn Blue Kicking. I don't know if it's Academy or whatever, but just that Corn Blue Kicking. And punter Asher King, six foot two, two hundred and eight pounder from Westfield, Indiana. This is what I thought was interesting about that about this guy. Um, listed on the herd roster as a freshman, but when I was trying to find a little bit more info, you know, there's not even a, a height and weight for him on herd zone. So you know, I Google and bring it up, and there was an ESPN profile. So I click on the ESPN profile and I go to it. Same dude, same hometown. Same everything listed as a sophomore on the Indiana Hoosiers football roster. <laughs> so I'm like, hold up, something's not working, something's not jiving here. So I go to the Indiana roster and he's not on the roster. So I don't know what the hell ESPN has going on, but it is the same guy. It's the same hometown. But uh, that was just weird. So ESPN, yeah. get, get your stuff going in the right direction, would you? Uh, gone from 2021, a lot of familiar names from herd fans. First of all, first and foremost, place kicker Shane Chuchi is gone. Uh, punter Robert Lefevre is gone. And kicker Andrew Sanders is also gone, along with kicker Avery Music and punter Jared Porter. So that's a lot of major kicking uh, duties that are gone for the herd. Starting kicker, starting punter, and Sanders, who did a fair amount of place kicking as well. Uh, projected starters this year. You know, this is where, I mean, you never really know. You never really know who's going to trot out there and, on week one, um, it, 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 I always get the feeling that it's like, who's the most consistent in the summer? And we're not even in the summer yet. So this is 100% speculation. But uh, place kicking, I'm just going to say it's Reese Verhoff. He comes in as, he, yeah, he's just coming in, incoming freshman. But he was five-star kicker. Um, by all accounts, really, really powerful leg. We'll see how the consistency goes. But that's just who, who I'm pulling out of the hat to say who will be there. And the uh, starting punter in my book will be uh, John McConnell, the six foot three, 178 pound redshirt freshman, comes from Morgantown High School in Morgantown, West Virginia. He was part of the 2021 class, five star punter uh, from well, rated by Colts Kicking. If you know kicking and punting, you know they're rated a little bit differently than everywhere else, like every other position. So Colts Kicking is basically the uh, top-tier type deal when it comes to kickers and punters. And uh, coming out in the 2021 class, he was the number 17 punter in the country. So this was a pretty good get. I remember when he signed for the herd, uh, everybody was kind of like, wow, this is, uh, this is a really good get. So he sat out last year, red-shirted, whatever, and now it's his time to shine. I expect him to be 
you know, the starting punter come week one. And of course, uh, my odds on favorite to continue the long snapping duties is uh, Zach Appio, the five foot 11, 206 pound sixth year senior from normal Illinois. He was a 2020 all conference USA honorable mention recipient and We'll see how he closes out his career, but those are my three favorites. A couple of kickers and uh, long snappers also on the roster that we can talk about. Kicker Kenyon Boyer, five foot nine, one hundred and ninety pound redshirt junior from Sacramento. Kicker Sean Meisler, five foot nine, one hundred and forty eight pound redshirt freshman from Jacksonville, Florida. And a couple of long snappers, Hunter Burns, six foot two hundred and twenty five pound redshirt freshman. Here's another one of those things, right? Um, I was trying to. Uh, you know, the ear that it t- they pronounce their name on Herd Zone. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Hunter Burns and our other long snapper, Matthew Bossett, are like right beside each other, you know, because I was separating it by uh, position. So they were mm-hmm. right next to each other. And I was trying I was trying to hit Bossett, right, to see how you say that the right way. And I hit Burns. As I'm jotting down his thing there on Herd Zone, it says he's from Charleston, West Virginia, South Charleston High School. And I click the ear and he says his name. He says Hunter Burns, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. But it says Charleston, West Virginia on Herd Zone. Like you, it's, it's like people are messing with me today, man. First it's ESPN and now it's Herd Zone. So may or may not be from South Charleston High School, may or may not be from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I don't know. Um, and long snapper Matthew Bossett, the six foot two, 216 pound redshirt freshman from Ormond Beach, Florida, right there by Daytona Beach, not too terribly far away from me. Russ, before we get into the returners, let's talk about kickers and punters. Um, sure. let's do the strengths and weaknesses of these guys. Like we did with the, the running backs last, last week, before we start talking about the returners. So what do you think about overall strengths for the specialist units this year versus last year? Long snapping is a strength. Yeah, I agree. When, when you, um, don't notice it, that's, that's when it's the best, you know, because they're just consistent. It's a good snap. No one every time goes, man, that was a heck of a snap, man. That was a heck of a snap because that is the thing. It's either exactly where it needs to be, or you notice it because it's an error. We don't have a whole lot of those we have had in the past, but on this, no, it it seems like it's a very big strength. Um, Also want to say real quick before we talk about anything else, just to throw in, you mentioned Andrew Sanders. He handled 65 of our 79 kickoffs, uh, the bulk of them. And one of those was an attempted onside kick by Shane Chuchi. Uh, So predominantly Andrew Sanders was our kickoff specialist. So uh, yeah, he did have some other, uh, you know, field goal attempts and, and things like that. But he wasn't just uh, also kicked every now and then. He was our primary kickoff specialist. So we got to replace that as well. Yeah, th- and that's always a concern because we've seen, you know, a couple of years, recent memory, we had a real problem with kicks going out of bounds a lot. Yes. And yeah. that's just a total killer uh, on just about every time it occurs. There's, there's never really a – good time for that to happen yeah. and it's either like man you just eliminate some momentum that you just had from scoring that touchdown or whatever or getting that field goal putting points on the board let's say or it seems to happen like at the single worst time in the game You're like all right we need this you know this uh, opposition to drive all the way down the field to to 
put themselves in a position to win and you spot an extra, you know, 10 or 15 yards or whatever. So out of 65 attempts, uh, Sanders had 30 touchbacks and one out of bounds. Yeah. So uh, pretty, pretty good record. Yeah. He did a really good job, but I'm just saying in recent years, that has been a problem for Marshall. I remember it happening multiple times in the same game, you know, and if I'm not mistaken, even once we at halftime, we pulled our, our kickoff specialist and still continued to see kicks go out of bounds. And, and that yeah. was that was really frustrating. But anyway, yeah, that's something that got shored up last year by and large. But it's always a concern because Sanders has now departed and yeah, someone new is going to have to do that. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm with you. I think long snapping is, is definitely a strength this year. Uh, we've had a string, a slew of excellent long snappers for as long as I can remember, as long as I can remember. And it's, it's, that's one of those positions that most people don't think about until like you said, something goes wrong and you're like, what, what the heck, why can't we complete a snap? This is like basic stuff. But, you know, we have friends that were long snappers for the herd in yesteryear and they will tell you there's nothing normal about a long snap. It, it, it's no. very much an, a skill. You know, there's mm-hmm. nothing really easy about that, especially in a clutch situation or something like that. So it's anything but routine. How about weaknesses of the group this year? The newness of having two different kickers, when not not counting the kickoff specialist, whoever that might be. But we're talking extra points and field goals and then punting. I don't care how talented they are coming in, how well they may perform. Right now, to me, it's a weakness because we haven't seen them and they haven't kicked in a game yeah i would tend to agree 100 percent. it's all about none of these guys having to had perform in an in-game situation for the herd mm-hmm. uh it's especially when you talk about clutch kicks or or whatever you know it's like you haven't had to do it up 50 yet so you know never mind the fact that we need this field goal to pull this one out um but yeah that that's really the only big weakness for me too it's it's a lot of new which is running with the theme of this uh this entire year as it relates to marshall university the special teams just a microcosm of that or the kickoff specialists as it were uh the kicking specialists kickers and punters but you know i've got faith um i'm really excited to see um john mcconnell if he comes out as punter number one big leg highly touted like you know you're not going to supplant a multi-year starter that's going into his senior year. So he very well could have, you know, had the job last year for all we know, but you're just not going to do that to a guy that's been here and performed and made kicks in big situations for you in the past. Um, but I'm really excited to see what, uh, what he can do for the herd this year. Can we talk about these kickers on what they are replacing real yeah. quick? I've got some stats. Yeah. So for you guys listening at home, extra points, 41 of 41. Shane Chuchi, 16 out of 16, Andrew Sanders. We were 57 out of 57. All year long did not miss an extra point. A lot of people take those as gimmies or whatever, but, you know, you miss them and they can be a game changer immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, think of the 2001, even though we ended up winning, you know, uh, Curtis Head, you know, which was going to be the game winner, misses it, and then, you know, we're still tied. Um, field goals, however, Chuchi was six of nine, and Sanders was two of four. Uh, the nine for Chuchi, he was three of three from 20 through 29 yards. One of three 
from 30 through 39, he missed two different field goals under 39 yards. And 40 of 49, he was two for three. Sanders, two for two, 20 through, through 29. And then 30 for, through 39, he was 0 for 1. 40 through 49, he was 0 for 1. So overall, we were 6 of 10 on field goals. Is that right? No. Uh, 6 and 9, that was 8 of 13. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were 8 of 13 on field goals last year. It, it looks a little bit better on paper, 8 of 13. I mean, that, that's not you know anything to write home about. But those misses in the 30s, and we're looking at, you know, possibly another game or two in the win column if we hit a couple of these field goals. So it's a huge thing. And way back when we talked about, I can't remember what episode it was, three or four, uh, when we were talking about the different positions and and everything, I said kicker, Mm -hmm. you know, because I knew what we had to replace and what could have been a couple of easier wins or switching a loss to a win if we had a little bit better outcomes on the performance. Going over to punter, Robert Lefevre, in my mind, I think consistency, always 40-plus uh, on the, on the uh, kicks. But when you look at it, out of 61 punts, he had a 40.4 average. Our opponents had 42.1. is not bad. It's just not some of what we've gotten used to in the past. Uh, He had a long of 61, only had two touchbacks, which is good. 21 of his 61 went for fair catches. That's pretty good. He had 19 inside the 20. And 50-plus punts, he had seven. So to average 40.4, Based on memory of just looking at these stats, it, you know, 40.4 stood out to me. And I said, well, that, that doesn't sound very good with what I remember. We had seven different ones over 50. I'm thinking it just had to be short punts. Yeah. Where we, where we were at, it wasn't because of his performance. They had to be there. So they weren't a touchback. Yeah. That- and so, so I think, Looking at this, it could be a little misleading when you're looking. Originally, I looked at that, like I said, and I'm like, 40.4. That's not what we're used to. You know, it's usually 43, 44. You know, we've had great punters here. And I think he had a lot of circumstances last year where he was called on to put one inside the 20 at only, you know, 38 yards away or something like that. And I think a lot of that went with our uh, struggles at, at the kicking game. We, we, instead of a long field goal, we had to try to switch the field and pin them back with a punt. Yeah. You, that's what I was going to say. You, you were talking about missing those longer distance, mid range to long distance um, field goals. Well, that's exactly what that does. That changes the yeah. way you coach a game later in that particular game or later in the season when you're like, all right, we just can't consistently do that. Yeah. Because so, field, uh, field, you know, possession and, uh, where the line of scrimmage starts at that point. Yeah, because you know you're walking out a really tough defense. So at that point, are you saying, look, I'm going to take my chances getting three points or maybe I'm going to take my chances at getting a three and out and just getting the ball back and seeing if my offense can get me six. And to go along with that, you're in those you know windows of down and distance or field position where you're like, well, 
you know, our punter really can't just drop back and uncork as big of a punt as he can. He's going to have to be tasked with putting it in a certain little area of the field or else we're going to see a touchback. And now we're just, you know, it, it, it all irons out to be a 13 yard punt given that it was a touchback. So yeah, you know, it all plays into it. Average just isn't the overall fair way to look at it. It's just what people, what, what, for some reason, the only way they keep track of it, you know, yeah, I know inside the twenties and stuff like that is there too, but I mean, there's, there's no differentiator between punt average and there's no way to look at that and go, well, how many could he actually kick as hard as he could? What would his true average have been if it yeah. wasn't situational punting involved? No, and that was the only one that it just shocked me that I'm like, you know, our opponents had 42 and, you know, I can remember, you know, our guys that were really good and even Lefevre, I think the previous year was up in the mid 40s. And I was like, wow, you know, it just stood out to me. But when you start looking at there were only two touchbacks, right? You know, that to me is great. You know, when you are, you know, I, I don't want to say anyone could kick it into the end zone, uh, but I couldn't. <laughs> I, I could not. But you know, kicking it into the end zone gives it to them on their twenty, and pinning them back even at the eighteen is deemed better. You know, correct? Yeah. Uh, and we are looking at 19 of his 61 were inside of the 20. Well, not all the attempts could he possibly get inside the 20 if he was punting, you know, from his own side of the field and everything. So excellent year that just on paper, when I first started looking at it, shocked me that I was at 40.4. And it's only until you start looking at the other things that explains why it was 40.4. See, and that's, Part of the reason that we do segments like this is because we bring that information. You're like, oh, okay, well, you know, I never really thought about that. But if we if we get a touchback on offense and we go three and out and we're in our own 25, do you really expect him to get consistent punts inside the other 20? No, no. it's un- it's unrealistic, right? It it could happen if you just get a friendly bounce and it happens. And but you know, so there's just a lot to consider, and and that's what helps the average fan. Look at it and go, wow, we only average 40 yards a punt. We really need to be up around 45. Well, you can't always be up around 45. You know, we talked about offensively last year, we would get a lot of yards and it wouldn't equate to points. So Mm -hmm. would so think about it like this. Would you rather have the number one or number 15 passing yards quarterback in the country and only get a handful of touchdowns out of it? Or would you rather see your quarterback have the 50th most yards, but have the third most touchdowns? Like what's yeah, more? I don't, I don't care if we get 300 yards a game, if we're scoring 40. Right. Points wins games. Yards don't win yeah. games, right? Points right. win games. So That's exactly right. let's talk about some of these returners. Uh, fair amount has departed. A fair amount, more than a fair amount, a lot returns. Uh, punt returners departed. Uh, Willie Johnson, big Willie style, finally off the roster after at least 25 years in the herd yeah. uniform. Hated to see him go, but uh, he was he's an all time grader. I think he uh did my freshman orientation. <laughs> when I came. Uh, Willie uh, accounted for 17 punt returns last year. Uh, Nyquan Reynolds also departed, uh, only had one, but you know, it was in the category. So, uh, returning. Punt returners, Talit Keaton, he accounted for six last year, but we talked about how Talit was injured last year. Uh, it's a position that he has been electric in up until that injury. It was all-conference USA first-team punter a couple of times. I mean, he's he's just electric in that position, and he's he's just 
it, I hope he stays healthy. I hope he gets to take another crack at that because, man, he's a real weapon. Uh, kick returners departed from last year's roster. Um, Sheldon Evans, nine kick returns last year. Corey McCoy, four kick returns last year. Returning to the herd for another season at the kick return department, or at least it had kick returns last year. Uh, Jaden Harrison, 15 with one touchdown to Leak Keaton. Uh, just had one. Shadita Med had one, and Rashina Ali had one that, of course, went for touchdown. So, the lion's share of kick returns last year went to Jaden Harrison and Sheldon Evans, and of those two, the lion's share went to Jaden Harrison. Uh, potential starters at punt returner, you got to think. I mean, this is another one of those things that you never know who's going to trot out until game one because there's so many athletes on the field. You never know who coaches are just going to make the decision to give them a crack at that. You don't know. You're like, well, you know, Talit Keaton is an all-conference USA caliber uh, punt returner, but he's going to be a more integral part of our passing game. Do we want to risk that injury? We saw him get dinged up last year. So you're thinking, okay, maybe we see a younger guy do that, or maybe they go, hell with it. Talit's our guy. We're going to mm-hmm. that's what he wants to do, and we're going to do it. So you just never really know. So, but you got to think you're going to see guys like Talit Keaton, Jaden Harrison. Maybe these younger wide receivers finally get their time to shine on special teams in a return capacity. Guys like Caleb Coombs or EJ Horton or some of these young running backs that we talked about last week that come in and are absolutely electric. Hell, maybe it's a guy like Kalen LeBourne. You know, maybe mm-hmm. it's a guy like Brian Robinson, the Florida State transfer wide receiver. You just never know who it's going to be. Um, let's talk about some strengths of this potential group because we don't even know who the guys are. But let's talk about some strengths based on what we know of guys or who are on the roster, period. I've got I've got more than one strength, so I'll give you my first, then you can go to with okay. yours. Um, speed, Jaden Harrison. He was the fastest on the team last year. He's the fastest on the team this year. There was a tweet about it that he held his title. Again, he uh, took that one to the house uh, for 99 yards. Yeah. Had a 25.2 average. This is kick returns, not punts. He he did uh, no punt returns last year. Uh, so out of his 15, he got 378 yards total with taking the one 99 to the house. He is fast. He's a, a threat at any point with that speed. Just got to get him in the open field. So right away, that's a big strength for me. My very first strength that I wrote was uh, almost exactly the way you were putting it, but I write things down. I don't just say speed, right? I write, there is heavy, heavy game-breaking ability in this return game with all the guys that we have on the roster. We have, we have had a marked uh, effort in recruiting speed and elusiveness uh, at wide receiver positions, at running back positions. You know, even in the secondary to a certain degree, Corey McCoy played safety last year, ran four, you know, had four kick returns last year. So it's, it's very much about being athletic and fast when you're talking about returns. Um, And I just think uh, if you look up and down the roster, if you go to the the football roster right now and you start looking and you're like, Oh, I recognize that name and that name and that name, dang, this is, this could go really, really well based on who these coaches want to trot out there or give opportunities to. And, and I'm just really excited at the overall game breakability of this, uh, of these units of the wide receivers, DBs and uh, running backs who may also double dip as returners. Mm-hmm. Second strength that I had, same thing kind of about the long snappers is you notice when someone has trouble 
with fair catches or fielding punts. And I think a strength, even though our main punt returner is gone and we're going to have to replace that, is we did not have an abundance just off of memory mm-hmm. of, oh, man, he fumbled the uh, the fair catch or he fumbled the punt return. I know we may have had one or two, but, you know, it, it didn't seem like it was a major problem. So I feel like overall, even though we had to replace, it's a strength that so far we have not been having to worry about that in the last couple of years. No, it's been very consistent. Uh, Willie put the ball on the ground a couple of times, but, uh, you know, if memory serves, he was always able to fall on it, you know, so it didn't really account for a turnover. It just killed the possibility of a big-time return, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is a – it's a different kind of bummer, but at least you still hold on to the ball. Um, I, you, you're talking about losing your primary punt returner. Well, yes, but not really because Talit Keaton is, has been the primary returner for two years up until getting injured last year. So if that's his job again, then he's, then your primary returner is, you know, in, in all accounts on the roster still, you know, Willie departed, but, uh, you know, Willie started returning punts cause Talit got injured and, um, you know, Talit's healthy, uh, redshirt junior ready to roll dangerous as hell. I mean, I hope they give him an opportunity to trot out there week one and do some damage against Norfolk state. Cause like I said, he is absolutely electric on the field. Uh, strength for me is like kind of piggybacking off what I said before the game breaking ability and how deep it goes. Well, it's the depth it's you lose a guy and you've got another guy that you can plug in there to be just as elusive, just as electric, you know, just as, um, able to change the trajectory of a game in a flash. You've got a number of guys that all they need is a sliver of daylight and one decent block, and you're putting six more on the board. That's, that's, that's what you want to have, and I think Marshall's got that, you know, in, by the bucket this year. If there are – do, do you have any more? Do you have any more strengths or no? No. Okay. Not, not for the returners. So if you have any, let's talk overall weaknesses here. Uh, if you have any – what would they be? Well, I do have another section that you might not think of, but the defense that are not returners on your kickoffs, your extra points, uh, not kickoffs, your um, uh, field goal attempts, your extra points, and your punts is that attempt to block the kick. Mm -hmm. And we had four of those last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think with the violent and disruptive defensive line that Coach Huff is trotting out there, I think that is a wild card for me. If we can get a few blocks like we did last year and really just capitalize on those, that could truly, truly not just change the the field position, but, you know, scooping a score, that sort of thing. So. Uh, that's just another aspect. It's not a strength. It's not a weakness. It's just an observation that we had four last year. And, you know, that's, that's something that I would really like to see this year is uh, several more of those. Well, let me, let me take it back to when you were talking about punting, right? You were talking about, um, what did you say? You had, uh, uh, it was fair catches or something like that. You said there were quite a few. Well, that speaks to the type of athlete that you have on your, you know, your punt coverage your team coverage, yeah. or, or your kick coverage teams uh, because they have speed to get down there to prevent large returns. And uh, that's another 
Kick coverage is another aspect that we struggled in mightily a couple of years ago that we've seen getting better and better and better. And of course, I expect to, to build off of that moving into this season and become even a little bit better. But you're absolutely right. That's that's not something I really, you know, you can't really quantify that other than no. turnovers or, you know, like special teams touchdowns or something like that. So it, it's it's not a strength. It's not – well, I, it is a strength because, you know, we blocked four kicks or, you know, caused four turnovers or whatever you want to call it last year. And that's not a small number when you no, talk about not. that category. That's a large number. And if you can also block a field goal or two, you can block a punt or two, you know, you can um, uh, cause a um, fumble on a kick return or a punt return. I mean, that's, those are game-changing plays because if nothing else, you know, you cause a, a fumble on a punt, that, that's a – you flip the field. That's basically a long first down, right? Because you're going to retain possession. You just gained about 40 yards of field position. But uh, – the only real weakness outside of the overall amount of um, lack, the lack of experience from the kickers and punters, that's kind of offset with the tremendous amount of experience of the returners, right? Mm-hmm. We, we have a lot of guys that have done a lot of that. So really my only weakness, and I don't know that it's a true weakness, and I alluded to this at the very beginning when I talked about a new coach. New coach, potentially new philosophies, new, new way they want to do things, uh, you know, new points of emphasis, whatever the case may be. Uh, the, it's not necessarily a weakness, but anytime you have change at special teams and you shaken up the way you do things, generally there's a little bit of a learning curve. And I'm not sure that anything becomes glaringly obvious more so than inability on special teams. Like, because so many fans view that as basic stuff for whatever reason, they view that as basic stuff. How many times have you heard fans or whatever go, geez, they look like the Keystone cops out there. You know what I mean? And that's, that's just what they say because when it goes awry, it just looks really bad because everybody's scrambling. So that's a, a concern for me is, is will the learning curve, be short or will it be tall? Will we see immediate impact and success or will we see a little bit longer of a uh, transition to uh, see some of that success that we saw last year? That That's really where I'm at with that. Yeah, I, I said my only negative earlier um, and it's that they're untested and unproven Yeah, on the, on the kickers. That's the only weakness that I can really come up with because I feel like this may be a totally different conversation two weeks into the season right now as you said we have not started summer practice I have not been to spring games you don't see a lot of this or any of it really in the green and white game so right now it's all unknown to us because we're not watching practice day in day out to see some of this stuff yeah and it's it's I don't know it's just one of those things right it it it, it's just so glaringly apparent when it goes wrong and people just take into consider or take into account that it should just always be right, that it's unfair that it gets magnified to the way that it does, but it's just the nature of the beast. That's just how it is. You know, people expect uh, special teams to be perfect. They expect every field goal to be hit. They expect, you know, every punt to be um, fielded properly or executed properly and it's just it's just one of those 
I don't know. It's just one of those things. And the last thing I want to say about that before we get into those uh, general questions is, you know, Phil Steele, we haven't even talked about Phil this, this, for this whole position group. He's not too high on herd special teams either. And of course, a lot of that has to do with probably the departure of the starting punter, the starting kicker, your, your main um, punt returner from 2021. So he ranks herd special teams 10th in the Sun Belt. Um, and, you know, there's not, it's, it's not one of those deals where there's like five teams tied for first. So he's not really high on herd special teams, but he hasn't been high on anything the herds wanted to do so far that we've talked about. And we're returning some major star power. It's just a few question marks here and there. So look, let's talk about overall specialists, returners, everything. Um, who are you most excited to see out of the entire special teams this season? Jaden Harrison. Wow, that's a quick answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm most excited to do this, but it's a slash for me. It's Jaden Harrison slash Talit Keaton. I'd like mm-hmm. to see a, an, a healthy Talit Keaton do uh, electric Talit Keaton type stuff too. So yeah, uh, tons of game breaking ability. They're just they're just lightning in a bottle, and I just love that. So yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, who do you think's the hardest to replace? out of everybody that's on the roster or that was on the roster last year? Lefevre for what we had talked about earlier, uh, the deceptive yardage stats, you know, that leaped out at me. And then when you dig into it further, it just shows how great he was to put nearly a third, like right at a third inside the 20, when you don't even have that many opportunities to do that. Only two touchbacks. I've got a lot of faith in McConnell uh, because of how highly touted he was, but that is a whale of a person to try to replace. And one of those kind of under the radar unsung positions that can truly impact a game week in, week out. Yeah. uh, I think that's an excellent pick. I'm going on the other side with it. I'm going with uh, Shane Chuchi, even though he was, Spotty from from mid to long range field goal attempts, you just cannot look glaze over the fact he was perfect on PATs all season long. He was still uh, pretty consistent at close range field goals. I mean, he made some he made some needed kicks. So you know you can't expect every kicker to be perfect from forty five yards out every single time. I mean, after all, there's a hashtag college kickers for a reason. You know, um, by and large, they're they're. I mean, first of all, they're still kids they're still young men and learning the game and and developing their skill set and everything but uh it's just incredibly rare that you find a you know pro level type talented kicker they just don't fall you know into your lap very often um so i just think for those reasons of the points that he put on the board for us um that he's the hardest to replace this year who's your breakout player potentially this season jaden harrison okay well he's the reason that you know because i expect him to be a breakout is the reason i'm so excited to see him i think uh you know he has that potential to take it to the house possibly more than once during the season uh but with his speed get him in the open field i i really think that he's going to have a breakout here in the return gate yeah he was uh really exciting last year and uh you know to see that he has continued to be 
you know, the fastest guy on the team. And we talked about speed in pads and speed without pads. And there's no question that he's a guy that's got speed in pads. So yes. that's a good pick too. I'm going totally off the cuff and I'm just freaking rolling with my uh, earlier pick of Reese Verhoff being the starting place kicker or place kicker this year. And I think he's going to be my breakout player. He's going to fill the shoes. He's going to come on like gangbusters and everybody's going to be like, dang, yeah, what a great find. That's what that's I'm right. hoping happens. I think everybody ought to be hoping that. Yeah. And, you know, think of our years and we've been blessed to have some really good kickers over the years, but our years when we just have Mr. Consistent or someone that goes an entire year almost without missing a, a, a kick of any kind, you know, an extra point or a, a field goal, uh, someone that could consistently nail those 40 some yarders and everything. So I am with you, man. I really hope, uh, obviously I picked a different breakout player, but I, I hope you are right. And I am just a little less right. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, when it's all said and done and we talk about all these positions on the special teams units, uh, who do you think is going to be the MVP of the season? This was my toughest one. I, I kind of feel like it's everything that I say right here, you're going to say, wow, that's crazy because you didn't pick them as a breakout. You mm -hmm. didn't pick them as the one you're most excited for. I think it's going to be McConnell at punter. I mean, I could show you my paper, but you can see it too. I chose John McConnell too okay. because uh, the ability to, you know, we keep hearing about the the strong leg. He's got, he's got it. He can do it. He's a field flipper. And yeah, when you need that, you need that, right? You need to have a guy that can sit, that can consistently flip the field for you every time you have to have it done. And so, perhaps in my opinion, he might be the kickoff specialist. Correct. He might not be, right? but you know, I just feel like at the end of the day, uh, he is my pick and I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't too off the wall that, you know, you had the same thing, but I, I truly feel like he's going to make a major impact just out of consistency and some of that unsung stuff that is all about field position. Yeah. Cause again, we're talking about the offense and if we have the if we have an offense that has to find its way early in the season how heavily do you rely on a punter to continually dig you out of a hole if you can't move the ball you have to continually try to pin an opponent deep and to keep you having a fighting chance until you can find your way to move the ball or get some points on the board i mean it, it, these are just things that that fans don't often think about and when it's all said and done at the end of the season, you know, in real time, you're not going to go, wow, that was an MVP type play. But if you make enough of those and over the end of the year, like, man, you know, he had 30 kicks inside the 20 and, uh, you know, like four touchbacks out of however many X amount of kicks. And I mean, no bad hand, like he, he handled all the snaps and nothing flew over his head. He didn't drop any, like this could be a, a very integral part of the success of your season. So John McConnell's an excellent pick. How about a hot take? Do you have one for me? I do. Uh, I feel like after zero attempts last year from 50 plus and our struggles, you know, in those uh, 30 to 39, where we were only one of four total that we are going to have multiple. And I'm going to say three 50 plus yard field goals that are successes this year. Wow. 
I'd say that would be a definite step up versus last year and a marked a improvement yeah. <laughs> and a marked improvement. I'm going from an overall unit, right? Because I'm not sure how this will shake out. It's too many question marks for me to nail down like something like that, you know, because I don't know who's going to rise out to be the kicker. I'm just going to say that the herd special teams units will account for at least, at least six touchdowns some way, somehow on the season, whether they be through muffed punt recovers, a scoop and scores, whatever blocked punts, kick return touchdowns, punt return touchdowns. They're going to account for at least six touchdowns across the special teams units in however many categories we can rack them up. That um, is, if that happens, we have a very good year on our hands. Hell, hell is, yeah. I mean, accounting for one of those, that's basically one every two games in some capacity. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, that's, that's pretty tough to get, but by golly, I just feel good about our special teams, even if our uh, college football guru feel still doesn't. Russ, let's take it around the herd, shall we? We shall. Let's start off with Swim and Dive. The CSCAA Scholar All-America team uh, was something that was awarded to Swim and Dive. We were talking uh, about how they had the perfect score a couple of years in a row of, um, I can't remember the acronym now, but we just discussed it and how they have been uh, scoring like 4.0 and all that stuff. So to get this was a huge, huge win. Uh, for them and uh, good feather in the cap. And just like you said on social media and you use this word a lot, differentiator. Yep. That's what it's all about. Being a differentiator, uh, being able to attract those athletes and those particular disciplines that you want on your team. If they know and they're like, wow, I, this is an all American, like academic, all American type program. Um, I want to be a part of that. You know, I get to swim, I get to dive, I get to compete and I'm going to, you know, be surrounded by excellent uh, folks in the academic world. That's what I want to be a part of. So congratulations to Herd Swim and Dive. Hang in there for a season, gals. We're going to get you guys to the Sun Belt with the rest of us. Just hang That's in right. there. You're, you're doing your thing. What's, what's next? Over in basketball, even though there were several different offers, uh, no commitments, you know, it's drastically different season for them. But one of the offers I wanted to highlight was Tamar Slay's son, Bryce Slay. Mm-hmm. Yep, I saw that too. We had been we had mentioned that a um, couple episodes back when we talked about uh, Tamar being on staff and then being off staff, uh, and we talked about how you know his son was approaching that age to where it was about time to be getting those offers and would Marshall extend one? And here it is, you know, so we don't always talk about offers going out to athletes because I mean, let's face it, these coaches, not just in basketball, but across all of our sports, you have to offer a lot of athletes in order to build a recruiting class. So Mm -hmm. it just doesn't make good sense to talk about every single offer. Uh, But this one you have to, right? Because it's Tamar Slay. It's the Slay family. It's, it's, you know, the, we know why it's special. So you have to mention that. That's pretty cool though. Talking about a little bit of recruiting trips over in softball, they uh, went to Denver. Uh, So heading halfway across the country go over there looking for some new talent to put on the dot uh, at least it's not december so <laughs> it's probably nice in july in denver but uh yeah, so so we're gonna go from one john denver song to another right we're gonna go from country roads to rocky mountain high so hopefully they're gonna find some talent to bring back and experience dot magic with the rest of us uh i gotta think i, I would like to think that that's got to be a fairly easy program to recruit to i mean once you expose 
a, a prospect to the program and you're like, Hey, this is kind of what we're all about. Like, how do you not want to be a part of something like that? I just, That's right. I mean, I would, if I were a softball stud, but I'm not alas, I just talk about it as on a podcast. Uh, where are we going next? Well, I don't know what John Denver song you're going to connect here, but <laughs> volleyball uh, is on a recruiting trip to Indianapolis. I don't think I have there? one. No, no? I, just, I don't. Let's see. Did he have a? No, I don't. Think, I don't know. No, but yeah, I, I saw that too. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm out of John Denver songs, man. I'm only only got two in the repertoire. Um, All right. Well, women's soccer was leaving on a jet plane oh! <laughs> over to Oceanside, California, and for one of their uh, continued uh, cross-country and cross-continents. <laughs> yeah, recruiting intercontinental recruiting trips. That's right. Now you're out in uh, the Golden State in Oceanside, California. Man, they're really going all over the place to trying to field a soccer team, which is um, – Nice to see. I, I would I would have to have to say uh, I'll be the first to admit to you that I haven't kept my finger closely on the pulse of women's soccer throughout my affiliation with Marshall. I mean, I just haven't. But uh, that's surprising. You know, that's just one. I'm like, I did. I wouldn't expect them to be going to Europe. You know, I mean, I know that soccer is huge in Europe, but I just they wouldn't expect. Uh, yeah, they do. I mean, they even call it the wrong thing. It's foot. I mean, it's not football. But yeah. anyway. I just wouldn't expect them to Marshall university to be going to Europe to recruit. You know, I would just expect that to be a more, you know, local thing to where you draw that 500 mile radius around Huntington and just kind of see who you can find. But uh, it's pretty cool that they're going across the country and across the world really to try to field a women's soccer team at a, at a high level. Pretty cool. Agreed. Marshall baseball. They are welcoming Taylor Sandifer as their new pitching coach yeah western carolina right mm -hmm. so old southern conference rival for the herd uh i watched or i went and looked at the the bio there i was curious as to you know what uh what he's bringing to the table we had we had talked about pitching struggles with the herd not being able to really hang in late in games they could you know be in their tooth and nail for two-thirds of the game, three-fourths of the game, eight-ninths of the game, and just ultimately run out of gas. So we kind of thought that there would be something maybe uh, with the winds of change there in the pitching department. It turns out we were right. So um, if I'm not mistaken, he was able to lower the ERA at Western Carolina by like a full run or something like that in his first year. I'm sure you're looking at the stats, aren't you? No, I'm not. I'm just going off a of memory from what you're saying. And yes, that is crazy no matter what level you're at. Mm -hmm. You know, um, a lot of that goes to the pitchers. You know, they have to perform. But most of the time, anytime at the collegiate level or at the professional level, when a unit has marked success as lowering their ERA or, you know, uh, lowering their uh, walks and hits per innings pitch, that sort of thing. It's always attributed to the program that the pitching coach has developed with these pitchers. So seems like a very good hire, you know, because we talked about some of the problems that Marshall had. It was around their pitching, mm -hmm. you know, and, 
bringing in someone that had good success at lowering an ERA by a, a full run, hey, if he gets that here, maybe we don't go from the we're right at 500 and then go on a, you know, kind of the tail falls off at the end of the season, like it did last year. Maybe we continue our offensive uh, onslaught and heck win five, six, seven more games. Yeah. Uh, With, and with transfer rules and things like that, we don't know what we may or may not see if there are a couple of, a couple of, yeah, that's right. May bring a couple of guys over um, for the ride. We'll see, but, yeah, it's nice that, you know, Wags is making the move there. You know, there's a lot of excitement now that's brewing around this program, and we all know it's going to be a, at least another year before we see games in a home stadium for the herd. But you may as well make some moves now because we know that people are paying more attention to this program. Um, more of the casual fans are, especially given the league that we're going into. And, you know, you can't go in and just – cash it in you know i mean not there's i'm by no means saying that's what we're trying to do but i'm just saying you can't be that team you can't be the brand new team that lives in the cellar so you have to make some changes in order to be more competitive because the slate is only getting tougher by entering the sun belt uh anything left on the agenda we do we've got uh three commitments uh that we need to talk about for football and those are First, a JUCO transfer very late in the process uh, with it being, you know, right at the end of June, start of July. But defensive lineman Jaberic Hopkins transferring from Independence Community College. And on the defensive line, he is 6'4", 295 to add to some of those 300-pounders that we have. So, again, Huff just continues to bring in more size upping our depth and the size at those positions thoughts on him before I get to the other two. I mean, you can just never have enough um, impactful defensive linemen. I mean, it's like linemen on both sides of the ball. You can just never have enough of those guys to be able to, uh, you know, help your, help your roster. You can't be too heavy at defensive line and offensive line. So anytime you can pick up one, uh, no matter what part in the process, you know, no, no matter how quote unquote late in the game, it's just a, it's just a big get. It's just a good get. So it was nice to see a little, a little addition late in the process along the defensive line, but I, I love how this roster is coming together in 2022 and, and moving forward in 2023. Speaking of 2023 picked up a commitment from defensive back to Sean Jeter out of Winston-Salem listed as 6'1", 175 pounds, and also 2023, listed as an athlete, C.J. Davis out of Fort Wayne, six foot, 175 pounds. Yeah, I mean, boy, if a defensive back isn't an early freaking um, emphasis in this 2023 class, man, they are really hitting the secondary hard. Uh, let me go back to um, – to Sean Jeter, right? Uh, Winston-Salem, the North Carolina kid, relatively close. You like guys like that because, you know, we talk about, um, you know, being able to get your support system, keep them close. Family can come to games. Now you're right there in the in the heart of the Sun Belt and very much in the Carolinas where, you know, App State is and places like that. Uh, he chose the herd 
over a, a, a few teams, really. Um, had an offer out there from locally, like Campbell is pretty local. Um, he chose the herd over Old Dominion and get this one, Arkansas. So apparently he had a, an SEC offer and likes what the Huff and crew is doing in Huntington more so to come here and play. So you like that. Um, C.J. Davis uh, is is an athlete, right? But uh, we, we'll see what position he ultimately ends up playing. Um, 175-pound six-footer from Fort Wayne, Indiana. A little bit out of, you know, the the toward the Midwest, kind of out of our wheelhouse type thing, if we have a wheelhouse. I don't know. Um, chose the herd over some service academies and a few schools in the MAC. But uh, the big ones for me is a couple of Ivy League schools, uh, Penn and Princeton. I mean, you got to have your ducks in a row if you plan on playing some ball at Penn and Princeton because I'm sure there's a lot of homework involved there. I wouldn't want any part of those Ivy League workload. Fun fact that you may not know, I did not get an Ivy League offer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, poison Ivy League offer. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that's impressive though. Uh, you know, because when you start seeing Ivy League schools show up, um, you like like for me as when you think in terms of football, that tells me that this young man has the ability to probably process a lot of information in a very short amount of time, and that's mm-hmm. the kind of stuff that I love. Uh, for somebody to be able to do to uh, help the herd win a game. Anytime those guys can be a uh, coach on the field and maybe help guys get in the right position to help us all have team success. That's exciting to me. Um, But that's, that's pretty cool. So the, the 2023 class is really off and running here. I think they're up to five guys now, four or five guys. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's early. I mean, we're, we're in July, you know, so what are we going to see when visits start hitting heavy during the season? Uh, when when people start really making their decisions, what's the early signing period going to look like? I mean, man, this is really starting to get exciting, and we're not even in the summer ball yet. So, man, how awesome is this? Uh, Rush, you got any parting words before we get out of here this week? I do. Let's talk about how we are now in the Sun Belt. We have a tremendous weekend last weekend with the baseball stadium uh, fundraising efforts it is very important guys that we get a lot more big green members and we've had some people reach out to us and say hey i just became a big green member just got one today a message this morning someone messaged us on twitter and uh, said i just became a big green member we need a lot of that if you are a big green member talk to your friends. We need them to come in. It's five bucks a month at the lowest level. You can get all that money back and then some thanks to our partners, the business owners in the tri-state area that have given gracious discounts off of their services and their products for you as a big green member. So five bucks a month, but you can get that five bucks right back and it's helping us we really need to make a, a bigger impact here in the Sun Belt. We have all talked about we want more, we want more, we want more. This is how we do it. So please, if you're interested in anything Big Green related, feel free to reach out to us. But we would direct you to Ryan Crisp. You can find him on herdzone.com. Tell him that you know we recommended uh, that he talk to you and see how you can help 
these student athletes and these martial athletics programs that you care so much about for as little as five bucks a month. That's right, man. I mean, at some point, we're all going to have to say it a little bit with our wallets. Some people have been doing it for a long time. Others are new to the game. And, uh, you know, still we want to see more. And there's no official campaign out there or anything. And we've talked about this before, that the number that we always seem to hover around is 3,000. And I'd like to see that you know, push to 4,000 really become a thing. I mean, that, that's a nice round number. It's a big uh, increase, a 25% increase or whatever of membership. I mean, that's a, that's a big number. So let's get us a, let's start a push for 4,000 and see if we can accomplish that by the end of the, uh, uh, the athletic year. So this time next year, July 1st, 2nd, whatever we're talking about this next year, maybe Russ and I are telling you like, man, we did it. We asked to get to 4,000 and not only did we meet 4,000, we eclipsed 4,000 and now we're pushing five. Like that's what it's all about. So at some point we're all going to have to give a little bit more and say it with our wallets. And, and we can all say it for five bucks a month. All of us can, right? We, yeah. we just, we just all can. So uh, if you're on the fence about it, please just get off the fence and, and click the link and, and get it started and you don't ever have to worry about it. Just start an auto draft. It'll be deducted out of your bank account every week or, or every month. I mean, not every week. And that's that you're a big green member. You'll get your card every year and go take advantage of your herd perks and recoup the funds that you're giving to the big green, like with a couple of dinners, you know, it's just that easy. Um, while you were talking about donating and the baseball stadium thing, I clicked it up and just did a refresh we are just shy of $65,000 raised towards that uh, baseball fundraiser. So that's pretty, pretty cool. Let's keep that. Don't forget about that, right? In this world, we live in a social media age. Something's 15 minutes old. It might as well be 15 years old. So let's not forget that that's going on and ongoing. So go to herdrises.com. You can continue to make a donation. And let's see if we can push this up towards $100,000, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but now, you know, just to clarify, that is in addition to what the Lamberts are matching the fifty thousand. So yeah, that is not updated on the site yet. But the sixty-four, almost sixty-five thousand that KD is talking about is uh, separate from the fifty thousand that will be added to that from the Lamberts. Yes, but I'm talking about uh, independent from the Lambert family. Let's us as a herd fan base yes. try to push this up to $100,000 with, mm-hmm. with just us. Any Anything else that comes in is uh, is awesome. I, you know, and I hope that there's some other, um, you know, alumni out there that, that have the means to have these matching type campaigns. I hope they're, I hope they're inclined to do that at some point. So, um, we, we really want to make this happen. We just don't want this to fall by the wayside. So continue to try to go to herdrises.com and make a donation. Continue to tell your friends and uh, coax them into making a little bit of a donation too. It's not, we're not talking about thousands of dollars, guys, five bucks here, 10 bucks there. I mean, you know, just, just be a part of the process. Just be a part of the process. Um, I want to say thanks to 304carwreck.com, of course, as always, and our friends at Ignite Link for uh, continuing to sponsor the Thundercast now that we are in season two and um, a lot of uh, good content coming your way. Thank you to everyone that continues to tell us that we're doing a good job, that you enjoy listening to the show. We appreciate that. And in turn, we would just ask that you simply share the links with your friends so that we can continue to grow the listener base and uh, get as much of this great content out to as many herd fans as we possibly can. Um, Russ, welcome to the Sun Belt. And take us out of here. 
whether you see us around the drone, whether you see us around the cam, whether you see us around the dot, whether you see us running around Sunbelt because we're no longer around Judy in Conference USA, <laughs> no matter wherever you see us, we're going to be yelling, go herd. <laughs> go herd. It's the Thundercast Season 2. We'll see you next week. Later. <laughs>